This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. The new musical, The Sting, now entering its last weekend at Paper Mill Playhouse, was pretty much totally sold out before it even opened, and it's probably going to Broadway. I checked, and there were like three random seats left, and not for any weekend performances. A musical adaptation of the classic, Oscar-winning film of the same name starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford, this new musical version stars Harry Connick Jr., Jay Harrison Gee, and Kate Schindel, to name a few. Theatergoers know Gee from his inimitable performance as the drag queen hero Lola of the Tony Award-winning Kinky Boots, and they know Schindel from Broadway productions of Jekyll and Hyde, Cabaret, Wonderland, and the national tour of the Tony Award-winning musical Fun Home. We spoke with both of them earlier this week as they were preparing for their final performances of this smash hit run at Paper Mill. Guy's part of the interview was recorded over the phone, and Schindel's was recorded in her office in Times Square. So The Sting is like one of the all-time great caper stories. People love these kind of stories like caper, heist, Ocean's Eleven-y, twisty, mind-bending crime stories. Why do you think that is? People love action. They love drama. They love having their mind suspended in a place of, of uncertain, uncertainty. And with a story like The Sting, I think it's, it's fun to watch it, especially live now that we've created it as a musical, um, and see if your mind can keep up with all the action that's going on. Of course, this musical is based on the classic movie of the same name, which won the Oscar for Best Picture in 1973 and some other Oscars thrown in there too. It starred Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Uh, decades later, what's the angle this production takes that differs from the movie? I mean, it's a musical for one thing, but are there any other new elements added for this 2018 production? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Jay can probably speak to this more completely because he's playing the character, but um, I think that one of the one of the most interesting parts of of this production to me is that unlike the movie not everybody's white um and so you get uh, which you know I, i'm not criticizing the the film in that way it's just to me very interesting to add in an element of racial politics in 1930s america um and the reality that that things were different depending on what color you were uh, there were different places you could go there were different things that you were able to do and that to me is deeply relevant. It's also, you know, although it's a, a focus of the story, the story still stands. Um, and, you know, you can be true to the sort of heist nature of it. There's just this other, for lack of a better word, uh, there's this other color to it, uh, which I, I tend to think is really interesting. If you're going to just take a movie and add songs, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little less interested in that. Uh, but if you're going to reinvent it and make it uh, relevant uh, in a slightly different way than it was when the film first came out, um, and certainly we we have our own racial politics in America today, then I, I tend to find that pretty fascinating. Could you sort of introduce us to your characters? Uh, Jay, you play one of the leads, small-town grifter Johnny Hooker, the uh, role originated by Robert Redford. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this already, but you know, going from the role of Lola the drag queen in Kinky Boots to a role like this, sort of uh, you know, an all-American, lovable con man, uh, well, I guess I'll just ask you, tell, tell me about this character and what attracted you to this role. What attracted to me what, to the role was how different it was from the life of Lola. Lola is, you know, she's lovable in her own way, um, 
but Johnny Hooker is is like you said a street grifter, a con artist, and but he's lovable in his own way, and he's got his um, he's got things in life he needs to learn and figure out for himself. And through this journey of of conning and and running in the streets, uh, he learns a lot about himself, and and uh, and he's just uh, a fun, a fun guy. Um, and as Kate was saying, it being that now the character is 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 played by a black guy and, and set in the 1930s, it does add a different color to the to the story. Um, and it is something we bounce back and forth with, with acknowledging, you know, in creating the show and how we were going to address that. And I think we've come to a, a very good place of of making sure that it's clear. Um, uh, how different it is, you know, from the the movie, but yet um, we're not going to dwell on it and and make this, you know, outrageous statement about it. But it is definitely a major factor of the story that's being told. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a really interesting layer to add on top of it, and like you said, it doesn't have to be overpowering. But but of course, you know. Um, a black man in the 30s in Chicago, he, the way he would interact with all these other characters would be a lot different than a guy who looks like Robert Redford. Absolutely, and I have to think about that every night. And, and it's something that actually kind of becomes more and more prevalent to me every time we do the show. And I find something new every night because I have to consider this time period and who I am and who I'm representing. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that I have to consider. And Kate, you play Billy. Yeah, I, I play Billy. Um, Billy is, um, she's a woman who is, I would say, a bit ahead of her time. Um, she's a businesswoman. She runs a whorehouse. Um, there's no delicate way to say that. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny because there are things that have come and gone during development that still inform the character for me. Like, there used to be a line about how she had managed to keep the mob out of her business. And that line got cut, but the information still stays in my head. Um, the, the fact that she is a, obviously a pretty strong, um, a pretty strong advocate for herself and, and pretty clever uh, because she's, you know, been able to keep a crime syndicate from taking over, uh, taking over her enterprise. Um, and, you know, I, one of the things that was most attractive to me was the idea that in the movie, um, Billy was, you know, she was kind of a girlfriend and she was played by Eileen Brennan, who always adds extra layers to everything she's in, in the greatest way. So you definitely noticed her, but in, in terms of the writing, um, she was, she was always sort of there, but, uh, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, uh, a huge role. And, um, and in the musical, one of the first conversations that I had with anybody was about the fact that they were interested in expanding that and having her be part of the gang, basically, um, you know, sit around and, and help to plan the cons. And, um, and I, I've spent a fair amount of time, like you always do with these things, uh, paying attention to how she's being used because you know, I think 
you could sort of get away with having a girlfriend character in 1973 in a way that in 2018, if you have a show full of men in suits, you have to take extra care with the female characters. I have said more times than I can count, guys, she's smarter than that. Um, and fortunately, we've got a, a team of writers and creatives that listen to that. Um, I think that there's still I think that there's still some room um, to make uh, Billy a bit more of an independent actor. Um, you know, at, we're we're sort of at the point where she she does a lot of stuff, but mostly things that the men ask her to do. And um, and I, I I'm excited to perhaps expand her universe a little bit and her initiative um but that said it's really fun i mean it's that's the thing i don't want to get too lost in all the you know the conversation about racial politics and how to construct a musical um the bottom line is that we just have a blast doing the show and um and i think the audience uh can tell you perform a song called sometimes could you tell us about that moment in the story and what that song is about you know it's a it's a song that was originally a duet for Billy and, and Gondorf, Harry's character. It is a song that gave me apoplexy when I was trying to learn it for the audition because it's just, it was just hard. There were so many accidentals and um, it was just a tough sing. Um, and, and it's been, you know, it's evolved from being a, um, a duet for the two of them into being a song a, a short song that Billy sings to him, um, you know, the, they're at a point in their lives, I think, where they, they have had a relationship in the past. And, um, and now, you know, I think she's sort of grown into the place where this sort of stop and start, he's away for six months, then he comes back, then he goes away. And all she sort of does is, you know, she runs a business, but I, I feel like she's caught in this cycle of, you know, waiting for him and then falling for him, right? And so late in the show, right before the last con, sort of grand finale, um, this song comes along and, and it it's just really her kind of dumping her heart on the floor, um, which is fun to play as an actor and also uh, challenging, you know? And Jay, for you, I'm sure you're having a blast throughout the whole thing, but is there one number you just really, really love to do? Uh, that's hard. I mean, because we, like Kate said, we really do have such a good time at work. Uh, there are days I I forget I'm going to work because it's just such a good group of people to be around and we all just make each other smile and have a great time. But um, I think I really enjoy doing Thrill of the Con, which is kind of the, the first number you get to see Johnny Hooker just be Johnny Hooker. And it, it, it represents him in every way of like, he's, you know, talking about conning people and taking people's money and it's fun, but you just see the joy and the, the heart of who he is as a man, despite all of, you know, circumstances. Because I feel like if Johnny Hooker was not set in 1936, he wouldn't be a grifter if he didn't have to be. Hmm. Um, it's a choice that he's made and he's sticking to it. Like, you know, he'd rather be a lover, not a fighter. He didn't want, they wouldn't have to run in the streets like that. You know, the, the two of you have uh, starred in all kinds of, of productions. Uh, as as performers, uh, is there a difference between preparing uh, uh, for uh, a role in a contemporary setting and performing in a, this like sort of highly stylized period piece like this thing, which is set in 1930 Chicago? Hmm. Um, I, I would say so. Um, 
there are things every night I think about for myself at least um, as to how how I carry myself and and vocal choices that I make um, you know sounding wise and, and fitting into the musical pocket of, of what the show is um, that I'm always aware of and you know like you said before during Lola that's a different life and and trying to make sure that those isms don't slip into to this life and so it's, it's definitely things to be conscious of uh, and I definitely my life seems to be a little more aggressive now these days because of this thing I, I catch myself being a little more aggressive than I usually would be because of, of, of carrying Johnny with me throughout the day and Kate is it, is it different is it different for you or I mean is or is like you know crafting a role crafting a role uh, I could kind of go either way on this. Um, so I'll pick one and say that it is, you know, for me, um, there are, there are things that happen with every role, right? There are, um, th- there's always that sort of search for the moment that, or the line or the, you know, the emotional beat or whatever that I think is the key to who this person is. And that does, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a show that's set in, you know, 1865 or one that's set yesterday. Um, but I do think that there, you know, there are always considerations about, like Jay said, um, what this person's reality actually is. Uh, that, that has something to do with period, especially, um, when you're playing a female character in this kind of world. But, um, it also has to do with circumstance, um, and, you know, what about me is like the character and what about me is not like, I, I love that Billy's intelligent. I love that she's analytical. Um, I, I, and those are things that I identify with. I love that she, you know, she has a great big heart that she sort of hides behind her brain. I've been there. Um, but, um, but then there are also things that are nothing like me. I can't imagine myself running a whorehouse. Like, I, if you met me, you'd be like, oh, yeah, no. Um, that, that's just not my lane. Um, but it's fun to play. So, uh, so yeah, the, there, are, there are familiar things, and then there are, uh, there are the ones that take a little more imagination. <laughs> Quick little anecdote on that note. Mm-hmm. At one of my favorite moments from rehearsal <laughs> When we were first getting into our costumes and we were doing our scene um, in the back room of the whorehouse, and Kate's dress kind of opened up and she quickly, I saw Kate, like, put it back over her leg. And then she was like, oh, no, Billy, Billy okay, she would let that out, right? I mean, yeah, she would let her leg show. And it was just funny to see how, you know, we as actors and the choices we would make as people versus what our characters were doing, it was just so charming to see that moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So while you're both still immersed in this very successful run, uh, what's the view like from where you're at right now? From the sort of working actor perspective, what has this experience been like for you at Paper Mill Playhouse? This has definitely been an opportunity of a lifetime, especially for me, uh, coming from Kinky Boots, and that kind of have been my first big production and stepping into a role that was already established and you know kind of making choices to make that my own but to come in and work with something i I did the workshop of this last summer um and and got to kind of do the groundwork of it and put it on its feet and and then to explore it even more and take it even further and now it's a fully realized production is just 
is is mind blowing, and it's it's an honor to be able to say, you know, I got to create this role and to to do it with such wonderful people and to have such support around the creative team is fantastic and it's a safe place to create and and be open and honest and communicate what you need and what you want and it's just been an amazing experience you know i've been doing this longer than jay because i'm older um, and i've i've worked on plenty of shows at various stages of development and ones like this just don't come along very often um where you know there's a team that's really focused and they're smart and they're all working together in what seems like a healthy way. Um, and then you have just this cast, which is so absurdly talented and everybody's kind of got their own specialties that get used. So, I mean, it, people feel valued and like they're contributing something, even if they don't have the biggest role in the show. I mean, we've, we've got a couple people who are just mind boggling dancers, but then they also sing and then they also play character roles and they're funny. And, and then, you know, I guess we should mention Harry J. Um, cause (laughs) so, um, for the one person on earth that doesn't know that Harry Connick Jr. is in our show, um, uh, you know, so then we've, you know, we've got all this momentum of, you know, uh, people who are just huge fans of his, who are enthusiastic and excited about coming to see our show. Um, and I, I don't know, these, these things can get a little nuts sometimes. And, and sometimes you can get attached to shows in a, a way that turns out to be a little unhealthy, but this one just feels so damn good like all the time and it's it's so rare so um i think we're all just kind of soaking it in yeah absolutely um and and kind of how she touched on a moment ago of you know saying we should speak about harry and that's it's wonderful he is such a fantastic leader of this company Mm -hmm. every night he gathers everyone together and we make a point to, to say, and he makes a point to, to make it clear that these people have come to see us put on this show and to do what we get love to do, but they are the ones being entertained. And all we hope for them is that they leave with a smile on their face, that they've been fully entertained, that they feel like they have spent their hard-earned money and gotten every penny's worth. And because this company is such a talented group of people, um, you know, like Kate said, people are coming to see Harry, but you're going to leave talking about the entire production because everyone gives all of themselves in the best way, and that's the only way the con can be pulled off correctly is if everyone plays their part. Um, and that's essentially how we hope the world will work in a better place is if everyone plays their part the way they should, we can all live in a, a fantastic world and, and leave with smiles on our faces. Very cool and, and, and very, very exciting. Uh, well, congratulations to you both, and, uh, and thank, you, thank you to both of you for, for taking the time to do this. No problem. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Actors Kate Schindel and Jay Harrison Gee. They both star in The Sting, which runs through this coming Sunday, April 29th, at Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn. For more info and to check on those last three tickets, visit papermill.org. And to find out more about the arts in New Jersey, go to jerseyarts.com. I'm Christopher Benincasa. Thanks for listening.
The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.